All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Can you see it? Did you know? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! here like I don't I will cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in in Valentine's Day wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Alright guys, joining us now for this bonus conversation, he's making his return to the Canucks conversation. This time Dave is excited because he's here for this one. Uh, it's Ray Ferraro, 18 years in the NHL and 18 years as an analyst. Ray, I want to start right there. Which one went by faster, do you think? Well, because I'm still in the broadcasting thing, I'll say the hockey thing. <laughs> um, you know, here, Here's the thing, you know, like... When, when I was a little kid, the, the only thing, like literally the only thing I ever thought about was playing in the NHL. I just, like I started playing when I was six and, you know, tooling around like little kids do. And I never assumed I was going to do anything else. Like I had no idea how hard it was going to be. I just assumed I was going to be an NHL player. So you know, you're stumbling along and getting a little better here and a little better there. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, I was, I could see that I had, you know, maybe I got a chance to get drafted and then that brings you to the next stage of your dream. And then eventually I'm living, literally living my dream. Yeah. Like it, it, it's the, it's the coolest thing. Like I'm so lucky to say like I had this dream and I got to live it. And then I, I, as I was playing, um, this guy at ESPN, his name was Barry Sachs, just a fantastic guy. Um, he was the head of on-air talent at ESPN, too. And he was a Rangers fan, and he'd seen me do a bunch of interviews with the Islanders and the Rangers, and then I got traded to L.A., and he called my agent and said, hey, would Ray like to try TV? And so I, like, I hadn't even, I thought I was going to coach, mm-hmm. and, and then I just moved from playing and then I retired in May of '02, and I started broadcasting in October of '02. Like I never even had an off season, <laughs> yeah. and and all of a sudden I'm 18 years in yeah. of, of doing this. It's it's really it's really been pretty crazy to tell you the truth. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I've heard you talk about it a little bit. You know, I know that Sakaris and Price like to rip it out of you on TSN a little bit. But do you do you ever miss that part of it? Because getting involved with wins and losses is something that I hear you talk about a lot. I do miss it. Um, and it, it's funny, you know, for a long, long stretches of the season, I can be just fine. And, um, you know, you do the games and you're, you do the best you can. You, you know, I try to, I try to bring some insight that my experience now 35 and a half years around the NHL would, would give me, um, about what's happening on the ice, both as playing and analyzing. Um, I try to have some fun with it because I'm not trying to solve, a pandemic, right? <laughs> that we're all living in. I'm, you know, I'm broadcasting a hockey game. It's a puck bouncing around the ice, and yeah. so if something funny happens, I think, I think I, you know, like I, I like to have fun with it. I like the people I work with. Um, I love that I still get to go to games, and you know, and most times I'm right down on the ice, which is awesome. Yet every once in a while, I get the man. I, I can see something that I'd like to try and change and help that team. Doesn't even have to be a team I'm connected to, mm-hmm. which you know by connected I mean like I've got a buddy coaching it or something, and so I, I, I yeah, like that I miss. I'm like, man, I I got an idea for that power play or something like that. But those days are those are gone for me. Um, you know, out of my you know out of my daily thought. You know, I've got you know I'm, I'm remarried. I got a 13 and 10 year old and. You know, if you get in the coaching gig, I mean, man, it's the most unstable thing, and you know that there is. I mean, Travis Green now is in the upper third of seniority of coaches in the NHL, 
and you're like, didn't he just start? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, how you uh, how you doing in quarantine, man? Like, how much uh, how much NHL twenties played in the Ferraro household? Well, we're we are playing a lot of it, but that we only get to that after dinner. What we're trying to do, huh, and I, I think it's a failing battle, but we're trying to homeschool <laughs> here. Okay. And so, because of course we got you know a grade four and a grade seven, and um, the grade seven pretty much he's on his own. Riley's on his own because neither Cameron nor I can help him with his math. Like that's, <laughs> that's we're done. You know, I'm I'm really good at moving decimals to fractions and things, so I'm good on ga- on grade four. You know, yeah. I can handle grade four math. <laughs> we do a little we do a little creative writing. We do we got a couple of science things going on, but they were they were so happy, guys. So today is Tuesday that we're taping. So on Friday was Good Friday, and it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. And so they were saying, yeah, it's a pro-D day. Pro-D day? Like, you live with us. It can't be that. And so they got Friday off, and they got Monday off. And and so we we play, you know, we have a backyard. We're very lucky. And so we, we play a lot of soccer, a lot of basketball. We're playing road hockey. I had the pads on the other day. And, um, you know, and we're, you know, we're, we're, just trying we're staying in our own cocoon right like we're we're doing our best to be safe and healthy and um you know i'm a i'm a little bit of a i would say anxiousness i have a little bit of anxiousness about health and things like this so i like i went for a walk around the block and i felt like you know i had to like wash everything i mean i was by myself and i just went for a walk around the block and i'm like holy crap like i'm so tired you know, it's like it's the. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have similar thoughts, but it's like <laughs> certainly nothing that I've ever seen, you yeah. know, or, or even yeah. been thought about, really, for me. And so we're good, but the fact that there's no end date, the fact that you just, you know, it seems like we're here forever, but of course we won't be. Um, you know, some days are, are harder than others, for sure. Yeah, definitely. yeah, for sure. It was funny because David used to sanitize the whole studio before we even recorded at BCIT before the pandemic happened. Uh, he's he's a little bit of a germaphobe, I guess. <laughs> yeah, oh, so, so now, uh, so now yeah, you're you're good at home, then, right? Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> I uh, I've been so like I'll, I mean I'm in the same boat as you, right? Like I'll go for walks and I come home and I'm like, okay, what did I touch? What did my clothes touch? Like I gotta I gotta clean everything and like yeah, it's. It's uh, it's a process for sure, but I'm doing my best to stay safe and keep everybody around me safe too. Well, and that's you know that's the, um, the you know of course the the big marker is that you just don't know. You're like, okay, did I pick something up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I, I can't even like you know you do it so mindlessly. We were you know me and the boys were out and we were playing catch with a football, and the ball hit the ground, and you know because of course. <laughs> it's not Tom Brady throwing the ball. It's me. And uh, and uh, the kids are like, "Are we going to get Corona from this?" And I'm like, "No, you know, like, don't touch your eyes, and we'll wash your hands, and you know." But right away, I'm like, because I'm anxious. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, the ball was on the ground for a millisecond. Yeah. yeah. And it, but but it's all like, the you know you know like I don't know. It's just I I just hope enough enough because you can't say all people because it'll never be all but i hope enough people follow enough of the guidelines yeah. to flatten things out till they can get to a point where there's a antiviral test that you can start to track and trace and you know we can get to some normalcy whatever the hell that's going to be because none of us know but i mean that's that's basically my hope i i, I will say this though i've 
I muted a bunch of the political commentators that I follow. Yeah. A lot of the news organizations that I follow. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't read it, guys. It, it's like it's stress beyond belief for me. And so I'm, I'm kind of like in my own personal blackout, I guess. And, you know, I see it. I see it's at the top of Twitter. You can follow the updates. And I'm like, you know what? That's enough for me right now. I can't take any more than that. Yeah. Have you uh, have you spent more or less time on Twitter and on your phone since this started? Oh, way less. Oh, that's awesome. See, I, I'm I've been the opposite. I've been I've been on it way too much. I'm trying to trying to get off it. Yeah, but don't forget too. So, like, you know, we've got you know about four hours of schooling we're trying to do a day, mm-hmm. which you know half of that is is arguing with the kids, but we'll call it schooling anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know we've. We've got the time that you spend around here. I still have my radio hits, so I have three radio hits a day across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another chunk of time that goes by. And what I find is, like, I like Twitter um, when I'm working, you know, in a normal schedule because it's, you know, I love the information gathering that I can do from there. And so I'll pick up a snippet or a tidbit of something and then I'll go research or call somebody that I need to know to follow up on that tidbit. Sometimes you find out it's false. Sometimes you get more background stuff on it. And that's, you know, I, I love it for that. But right now, what, what do I, what do I need to be on it for all the time? I, you know, to you know, pick my three favorite bands or, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, like I, I know people are just trying to stay engaged and trying to, or not even engaged. They're trying to stay occupied. I get it. You know, I, I got to, 25 minute workout I do every day. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to stay busy and it, it's a challenge, but it's easier with kids because if you don't keep them busy, then the whole house gets turned upside down. Yeah, most definitely. Ray, we, we've seen a lot of, um, podcasts, you know, from former players, they kind of start their own podcast, come out and we get to hear a little bit more from people, like a little bit more of their personalities. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you think that the NHL is doing a pretty good job of doing that right now? Because we're seeing, you know, these Zoom calls get set up. We saw the one with uh, Jim Houston and the, the St. Louis Blues. You got to hear from all the players. Uh, David's been involved in a couple with the Vancouver Canucks, even though he's used a, a SpongeBob background on a Zoom call on accident uh, when he was with Tanner Pearson the other week. Uh, but, like, do you think that the NHL is doing a pretty good job of, of kind of showcasing a little bit more of the personality? And we're seeing, you know, videos on TikTok and all these other social media platforms. Do you think they're doing an okay job for fans right now? Uh, I do. Um, it's it's really, you know, there's a great saying, you know, the, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm. And, um, man, they need, not the NHL, but any league needs live content. They need, they need something to show. They need to keep their players, keep their league visible in a, in a time where there's, you know, you can only show so many old games or old championships or what have you. So I think they've done a good job with it. Um, I think we'll see this continue, uh, once we get back to whatever the heck we get back to. Um, the, the real challenge guys is going to be whether the teams, or roadblocks to this or not to the players. Mm. Mm. And so like right now, um, you can't just call up for the most part, a player and get them on your podcast. Right. Well, we know that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, and so, and you can understand from a team's perspective, um, that if, for example, everybody that wanted to have, 
uh, JT Miller on a podcast was able to just call him up, he'd have 15,000 of them to do. Oh, yeah. Especially in Vancouver. Yeah, there's a lot of podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, but but there's so many podcasts, and some are bigger than others. Some Some guys have more connections to other guys, and all that sort of stuff plays into it. Yet, a player could literally spend all day on the phone, for the most part, doing podcasts if if the teams would let them. Yeah. And so they just, they shuttle it down. So now I'm curious to see what that's going to look like once the players get back to, you know, not looking for something to do, like they've got stuff to do, right? Like they've got games, they've got practices, they've got mm-hmm. treatments and therapies and all that stuff. And the last thing they're going to want to do is spend 30 minutes on the phone on a podcast. Right. So there will be a challenge to it, but I don't think there's any question that the, you know, the way forward is to open the door to the players. Um, for years, the NHL has felt that they were a team-driven league. Um, they were slow to the mark of opening up the players and their personalities, but I think they're getting there. I think they're doing a much better job of it. And, um, you know, like we've seen some some guys do some pretty funny stuff. Yeah. Just in... <laughs> And that's, but you wouldn't know, like, who would know Brendan Gallagher could do what he's doing? <laughs> right? Like, who, who would know? Like, I mean, I know Brendan, and so I know he's, he's goofy and he's funny. But, you know, a, a fan in Montreal that loves watching him play, but, you know, doesn't get a, a glimpse into his personality. Mm-hmm. Like, how would they know? And now they see him and they're like, like, how could you watch that and not all of a sudden like Brendan Gallagher? Totally. And, and so the point becomes that's another connecting point between a player mm-hmm. and the fans. But if it was the Montreal Canadiens and the fans, what are they going to do? Have 18 guys on a TikTok? It's not going to happen, <laughs> right? So, the, so you either like the Canadians or you don't. Well, now I might be a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and then I go, you know what? Brennan Gallagher's hilarious. Man, he's a pain in the ass to watch on the ice, and he's a good player, and he's funny too so now I start watching Brendan Gallagher mm-hmm. it can only be a good thing yeah I completely agree with it I think that you know I think the the one that kind of started it for Canucks fans was Elias Pettersson doing that little golf trick uh up on his rooftop there that, that was a pretty good start for us for sure and uh I, I kind of want to transition a little bit to some of these Canucks players because Ray we've always loved hearing your radio hits here on 1040 uh, and, you know, whether you're on TV or on 1040, it's great to hear the Canucks get talked about. Uh, I want to hear kind of your opinions. And I know, Quads, you want to start with your boy. So why don't you go ahead and ask about your fella? All right. My boy's Quinn Hughes. Um, so, Ray, you got to see Quinn Hughes at the World Juniors, correct? Mm-hmm. And the World Championships. Yeah. And you saw Jack Hughes. So how do you, like, were, what did you think about their rookie years, respectively? Like, the Hughes brothers, what did you expect to see from them? And kind of how did that compare to what actually happened? Well, I'll start with Jack. Um, first first of all, um, I don't know how Ellen and Jim Hughes parent, but they must do an amazing job because all of their kids, including Luke, the younger one, um, are fantastic kids. Aside from being really good players, um, they're fantastic kids. They, they really are. They're funny. They're, they've got opinion. They've got... They've got a you know a, a confidence to them. Um, it, it's really they're really they're really great great people. Um, so when I watch Jack play, 
Um, you know, saw him at the World Junior Tournament, um, saw him at the Worlds. Uh, he looks young, right? He looks he looks tiny and young. And then you go, oh, he's tiny and young. He's seventeen, yeah. and then he just turned eighteen. I I thought he would struggle this year, um, producing points, because the things that Jack will do in the NHL, he wasn't quite able to do physically right now. The real advantage between Jack and Quinn, of course, is Quinn is a couple of years older. And the maturity that takes place in those years is, you know, it it's not the same as when you go from 24 to 26. Hmm. When you go from 18 to 20, oh my God, you're not even the same person. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, like, so when we think of Jack Hughes at age 20, he's going to, he won't even look the same. He'll have the puck when somebody bumps him, he won't get bumped off the puck. Now, I, I think that's really probably the biggest difference in their rookie seasons, right? Mm. Because, mm. you know, Quinn is so much stronger. They both see the game amazing. Like, I I think what, you know, people get mesmerized by Quinn's skating, right? He's a magician on his edges. What I love watching from Quinn is when he's going back for the puck and, you know, he's checking on both shoulders to see where everybody is. Not only does he know where the puck's supposed to go, he knows where he's going to go with it. And so his ability to read the play in front of what's happening and an escape ability that really, I don't know, did he get hit this year? Maybe once or twice where you go, he really got hit. All that comes from vision and anticipation and, of course, the physical skills to escape. Um, I thought he had an amazing rookie season. Yeah. I, I, of all the awards that I was looking at, you know, and I vote on these things, is um, I, I have McCarr and Hughes, and I'm like, I don't even know how to pick the final vote. Yeah, you know, like if I if I were picking it, I'm like, like because what ends up happening is you end up voting for somebody, and people take it as that means you don't like the other guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is which is absurd. I think if I were voting, I would have voted Hughes 1 and McCarr 2. But then if you would have asked me next week, I might have voted the other way. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I would have voted Hughes first and McCarr uh, 2. Well, well that's, that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good, time to, good time to say Quinn Hughes on a Canucks podcast. So we'll, we'll, we're glad yeah. you got you this week, right? <laughs> well, yeah. For, but the, th- the thing is, is like... One thing that I like for me that I, I think makes it easy easier for me is, you know, you, you touched that I played for a long time and I don't have a favorite team. Yeah, I have favorite players. I have players I like to watch. Pavel Datsuk was my favorite player to watch. I just I just loved watching him. I love watching Artemi Panarin play. Mm. Like I just think the guy is amazing. Like of course everybody likes or I would assume everybody likes watching McDavid skate. Yeah. Like, how yeah. could you not? You love watching Nate McKinnon and that raw power. You let Crosby and what he can do. But but for me, like, I love the slickness of Panarin. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just love watching him play. So when I go evaluate a player, I'm just watching the guy. I don't care who he plays for. You know, I know the Hugheses, and so that makes it a little more complicated. My wife, Cammie uh, Granado, played with with Jack and Quinn's mom on the U.S. national team. Wow. And so they've known each other for, I don't know, 25 years. Hmm. And and so, you know, we're, 
we're big, huge fans here in in our house. Uh, my our ten year old loves, you know, just loves Quinn. Yeah. And he, you know, he he knows everything that you know, he knows Quinn's stats. He knows he knows Jack's stats. He knows what number he wears and all. You know, Jack wears and all this stuff. And um, but man, the the Canucks have the building blocks of how you become a real successful team, and that's a a number one center and a number one defenseman. And um, just think of how that draft had to play out uh, for Quinn Hughes to fall to seven. Mm-hmm. And um, they should all go hug Montreal yeah. because yes, <laughs> if Kotkaniemi doesn't go three, chances are Hughes isn't there at seven. Yeah. yeah, I think we were talking about that the other week on the podcast. We said I, I think the biggest celebration we've had in the past couple of years was you know watching that draft and then seeing that Zadina <laughs> goes to Detroit and then with Quinn Hughes just sitting there, like he was just sitting there for the Vancouver Canucks. There's you know that's that's a home run swing. That's putting a ball on a tee on like a tee ball kid's size field. Yeah, that's except, a home run. except if you go if you go back to that you know where Zadina was rated, mm-hmm. it, it was actually Zadina that fell. Yeah. Yeah, Zadina. When Zadina fell, I, I think Detroit got. They're like, "Oh my God, we got this guy here." Now, you can you can still debate whether they should have taken Zadina or, or Quinn. Um, and, and obviously, right now it looks like it should have been Quinn all day long. But at the time, like, I don't think they were thinking Zadina was going to be there either, right? Mm-hmm. Because because Barrett Hayden went fifth, mm-hmm. and that was a you know that jumped up a little bit. Um, I would say the one thing out of the lesson out of that draft is drafting for a positional weakness is a mistake. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the kids are too young and what is a mistake or what is a positional need today might not be by the time these kids are ready to play. It's not the NFL. You draft a left tackle in (laughs) April, man, he better be playing for you in September or you've missed. Yeah. Right, like they need because they're mature. They're they're players. They're not potential players at that point. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I just you know seeing when Hayton went, and I think that just opened up Canucks' eyes. That like we're getting Zadina or Hughes at that point. Just people were going nuts. But uh, I want to continue with a couple other Canucks players because I think I think the guy that surprised everyone more than more than anything this year for Canucks fans was JT Miller. He comes in, he puts up twenty seven goals, forty five assists. That's seventy two points in sixty nine games. When the trade happened at the draft, uh, I'd say like 80% to 90% of Canucks fans were going nuts that they gave up that much for JT Miller. Uh, then he comes in and has that season. Like, did that shock you a little bit, Ray, how, how effective he was? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my feeling on the deal was that really like JT Miller as a player, don't think the Canucks are in the position to trade a first-round draft choice quite yet yeah. uh, for, for a player. That That was my view. Like, too much of a, too much of a cost to to acquire Miller, and then he was. I mean, I don't know whatever they thought he was going to be for them, but he was that plus. Yeah. I mean, just just a, an amazing season for him. Um, now the the real test of the deal will be what happens in the next couple of years, right? Because you know I scored forty one goals once, and I had forty another time. I wasn't a 40-goal scorer, but I had career years, Yeah. right? And so, you know, the thought, or a thought I have is that, you know, JT Miller had averaged 22 goals a year coming to uh, Vancouver. So I thought he was going to score 23 goals, you know, like 
I kind of have my head, well, he's going to score right around his average from 22 to 25, somewhere like that. But then he just kicked it out of the park. I mean, it was a phenomenal year. Now, will he be a 27-goal scorer? Because this is the first time he's played in the Western Conference. Right. Maybe maybe he fits better in this conference. Maybe he fits just perfect with Patterson. Maybe he's found his soft spot. You know, Chris Kunitz was a, a decent player, and then when he went to Sidney Crosby's wing, mm-hmm. he just fit. And all of a sudden, he was on Team Canada. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he deserved to be there. Yeah. And so, I mean, I remember talking to him at a Team Canada dry run training camp they had in July. And, like, he was there, and you're looking at all these players, and you're like, yeah, except Kunitz has got 30 goals four years in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he plays with Crosby, man. Like, he deserves to be here. Right? And maybe that's what Miller has fallen to. Or not fallen to, but fallen into. Yeah. Maybe the best place for him is right here. Maybe he will be a twenty-seven or a twenty-five goal, sixty-five or seventy-point winger all the time. Man, that would be amazing. Yeah. If he was better than that, it's amazing, right? Like this, this trade has worked out better than I thought it was going to be uh, for the Canucks. Yeah, I think everyone's been pretty shocked with it. Just, you know, the fact he's come in and be able to, you know, win almost 60% of face-offs, be so effective with Elias Patterson. Like, you know, like, he he seemed like a player that played well with other great players. We all saw the stats of when he played with Steven Stamkos. They were very impressive, uh, very high coursey, very high goal percentage as well. But, you know, when he comes in and plays with Patterson, we were, we were yeah, we're just shocked to see that combination. Uh, Ray, one of the, the, one of the problems that the Canucks fans are looking at right now, looking at the salary cap, um, is two players at contract expire this year. It's going to be Chris Tanev and Troy Stetcher, um, both right-shot defensemen. It seems like the Canucks might only have enough money to hold on to one of them. Um, what do you think? Who do you think would be more, I guess, better to invest in? I mean, Troy Stetcher's a little bit younger. He's the local kid. Uh, but Chris Tanev playing with Quinn Hughes, I mean, that's that's a huge asset for the Canucks as well. Well, I'll start by saying I, I don't know how to answer any question going forward because we just don't know what yeah. what it's going to be like you know like it, is the salary cap going to stay at 81 million is it going to go backwards so the escrow isn't mm. clobbering the guys over the head or they're going to be um will there be like a one time condition or um conditional buyouts like like we had they had compliance buyouts the last time there was a lockout i think you're allowed one maybe two yeah. Like, will there be those as well? Um, like, if there's a compliance buyout, which is, you know, you buy a player out and it doesn't count against your cap, well, I can think of $6 million that goes right away. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Erickson's contract. Well, that changes how you might look at your salary cap world and you're in the Vancouver realm, right? Like, so much of it is for is up for grabs. I mean, the the only pause I have, or two, I guess I would have with Tanev is one. I thought he started to to fade towards the you know the last fifteen games or so. They used him a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I thought he started to to fade a little bit. He's not going to be getting any younger, of course, as as a three or four year deal gets signed. The second thing is he was healthy this year, yep. and I don't know. Do you want to bet on that? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I have I have a little bit, unfortunately, of pause to yeah. that. I feel bad for the guy, man. He plays his butt off, puts himself in harm's way way more often than most guys do, and, and he's paid a significant price for it injury-wise. And so I, I would be worried that 
this was the outlier year where he was healthy. Contract and year. And you might only get and you might only get fifty eight games or sixty two games out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I guess Troy Stetcher is the other option there, right? I mean, like, he's a little bit smaller. He's probably going to come in at a little bit less money. But, um, you know, Canucks fans love this kid. He's a local kid. He's Troy from Richmond to a lot of fans. So the determination is you have to figure out what is he. Mm. Um, you, you know, you say he's going to come in at a little bit less money, but you can't pay a, a, a number five defenseman $3.5 million. Or you shouldn't anyway. Right. I mean, that third pair has to be a cost savings pair for you. Now, do you think he can play in a top four all the time? They're going to have to determine that. Absolutely. Right? I mean, and and that's a tough one because his size will play uh, as a negative. The guy battles and gives everything he can, but can he play in that role full time, all the time, against the other team's best forwards? Because that's in a top four what you're going to do. You're not going to be sheltered by getting some matchups against bottom six guys. You, you're not going to get that very often. No, most mm-hmm. definitely. Quads, you got so to Sorry, up? sorry. Yeah, well, hang on. Just one other thing on Stetcher is that so if your team, if you envision your team getting better and better, can he hold that top four spot right. when the bar gets raised? Mm-hmm. Because you're not signing him for one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it becomes a, a multi-year projection. And and I I would say he's a, he's a tough one for me to project. I, I like him a lot. I just don't know if I like him as my number four or not. Gotcha. One last contract, expiring contract that I wanted to ask you about is Jacob Markstrom. You know, he was definitely the Canucks MVP this year. Um, you know, case can obviously be made for Quinn Hughes, Leos Patterson, JT Miller, any of those guys. They're all great, but... Jacob Markstrom was really solid all year long, and he's he's a UFA. Do you think he's going to be testing the market or anything like that? Do you think he's going to be signing an extension, or what do you think? Oh, well, again, um, I, not not nothing will get done until they get clarity as to what the cap will be, and of course, nobody's going to get any clarity on that until the world returns to some semblance of of normalcy. Um, I, I think they'd like to sign Markstrom. Um, I think he'd like to stay. I don't know that it's going to be possible or not. Mm-hmm. Like when when people say take a hometown discount to stay, like how much are they talking? Are they talking a couple of hundred thousand? Or are they talking $2 million per year? Right. Mm-hmm. Because $2 million per year is stupidity. <laughs> like like I would, I would never advise to take a major hometown discount. Mm-hmm. From from my perspective as somebody that played and is now out of the game, who's to say if you give money back to the team? And when I say by giving money back, I, I mean you don't you don't sign the contract that you will probably get if you're out on the open market. So you give you leave a certain amount of dollars on the table. Who's to say the team does the right thing with the money? Yeah, nobody who's to yeah. say no there's no guarantee. They don't come and ask you and say Hey, uh, hey, Jacob, you left a half a million bucks on the table. Shouldn't we sign this guy? They don't ask you. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, you know, I can see where players are like, you know what? I'm comfortable in a spot. I like it here. I see what we've got going. I'll leave a couple of hundred thousand dollars out of five million dollars per year on the do some work. Yeah. But you saw what happened in Toronto. Nobody left any money on the table there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they're in a spot that they they're going to have to win around those four forwards. 
yeah. right? Because they're paying them a lot of money. But if I'm Jacob Markstrom, I'm at a point in my career where I'm like, this is kind of it. Like, this is my big swing at the cat here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely is. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot to come up. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with, you know, Hughes and Pedersen's contracts just around the corner as well because Markstrom kind of can set the standard for that, it almost seems like. Well, they're, they're going to be at a different level. <laughs> yeah. and, see, and there's, yeah. there's, the, there's the, you know, the, the dark corner in the alley is that, you know, you can sign who you want, but you have to keep in mind, and certainly, you know, Jim Benning and company, or, or you know, it's, this isn't, earth-shattering, but they're aware that those contracts for Hughes and, and Pedersen don't start with a five, they don't start with a six. Yeah. Might and your cap's, not go- yeah, your cap's not going up. No. Or, you're, you know, it's not going to go up anywhere that's going to give you all kinds of extra room. Yeah. For the, you know, guys, this is one, you know, as we're talking here, ideas are coming to my head, but this is one other thing about the situation, the pandemic that we're in, and the way that they, you know, at least one point two billion dollars is down the tubes this year. Mm. This won't go back to normal in one year. Yeah, this is going to take multiple years. This might take five years till we get even back to the same revenues. Right? Nobody knows. I say five years, and that's just a guess. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be in a year. It's not going to be in two years. Don't forget, you're paying customers are all out of work. Right. So it. One thing will lead into another, will lead into another, and that will lead into Pedersen and Hughes. That's going to be interesting. It's, I, you know, I haven't really thought of it from the angle of how the pandemic can affect those contracts, but you're completely right. I mean, it, it, it affects the whole world, so obviously it's going to affect their contracts in the future. Yeah, we like to think of hockey in just our own little bubble, but <laughs> um, it is just, you know, it is just one little piece of the puzzle. And, you know, I see in... Uh, in South Korea, they're back, to, or Japan rather, they're back to playing baseball with empty stadiums. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, again, I don't know, but it seems likely that when we get back to playing uh, National Hockey League games, the stadiums will be empty. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. think of the revenue that's not coming in. Oh. That yeah. revenue impacts the 50-50 owners-players split. Yeah. That inf- impacts escrow. That impacts the salary cap. Until you can get people back in the buildings, there's there's going to be a huge hit to this. Mm-hmm. And who the heck knows when that's going to be? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a question nobody knows right at this point. And uh, I, I actually have one final question for you, Ray. You, you mentioned that uh, mm-hmm. that the kids, the, the grade four, the grade seven of yours, uh, are big fans of Quinn Hughes. They're also growing up here in BC. So are they Canucks fans or what? Well... The older guy, he's a soccer player. Well, they're okay. both soccer players, but uh, Riley, the 13-year-old, he's more a soccer player than than a hockey fan. So he, I'd say he's ambivalent. Okay. Um, I, I think he's, you know, like when we watch the games, he's he's into watching the Canucks, but eh, he watches or he watches something else. Or, you know, like, so I wouldn't say it's a big deal for him. Reese is a, Reese is a Canucks fan. He, he comes down in the morning. Like, I used to pick up, um, in the morning, they used to come down and turn on the radio and, you know, listen to the scores right away to hear how the, how the teams did the night before. Reese comes down first thing in the morning, turns on his iPad, goes to the scores. He'll tell me how the, who scored, how, how Quinn did. Like, it's always like, score, Quinn, something else. <laughs> That's awesome. and, and so, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a Canucks guy. That's awesome. Well, uh, and, but although I do think they, I do think they will probably morph uh, 
to Seattle as uh, yeah. I know Cammy's Cammy's working for Seattle. So well, I think you might have to have a favorite team here pretty soon, right? <laughs> yeah, they better they better cheer for Seattle or they're going to have no dinner. Yeah. <laughs> No, no. Well, we'll wrap it up there, Ray. Um, actually, just quickly, you're, you're still doing the podcast with Dregs. Uh, how much fun has it been to, I guess, kind of shift away from hockey a little bit? I've heard some of your conversations kind of go the other direction. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of all over the map. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody is at this point. Um, we've had some great guests on, mm-hmm. uh, which have been awesome. Jamie McLennan's an unbelievable storyteller, and he's kind of like Forrest Gump. Like, he just shows up in all these places, and you're like, I like honestly not to just promote our podcast, but if you haven't heard his story yeah. about eating fried bologna sandwiches at Kid Rock's house at four <laughs> in the morning, go listen to our podcast. It's an unbelievable story. Keith yeah. Jones was another one that was just fantastic. He's a he's funny, like one of the funniest guys that I've been around. Glenn Healy was our guest uh um yesterday. We're gonna have Tyson Berry later in the week. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we've had some the guys that we've had have been really open and really fun. And as you know, that that's what makes it fun. Yeah, totally. Right? Like it's, you know, what? It, again, we're not splitting atoms here. It's just a conversation and we hope the guys enjoy it. And Greg's and I have, have enjoyed it a lot. And, um, you know, we're working on some ideas to grow it and change it and, for next season, whatever that might be. And, mm-hmm. um, but in the meantime, it keeps us busy and we're liking it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I've I've learned a lot about my co-host Quadrelli over here uh, as we've been doing our show. Have you learned anything about dregs that you didn't know just from podcasting? Yeah, I mean, okay. So yesterday we talked about he makes a big deal all the time on Instagram about the way he likes to cook and the way he smokes meat and all this stuff, and he he's got a big deal about it. So I said, wait a minute. So I'm understanding you get the meat, you season it. You turn the smoker on till it gets to the heat that you want, but you just turn it on, yeah. and then you throw the meat on it, and then you sit on your ass for seven hours. <laughs> like you're telling me this is hard to do? I could do that. I'm an idiot. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, yeah, that's kind of it." And yeah. I'm like, "So what I've learned is is Dregs is overselling his his chef ability." Right. Okay. So he's overselling that. That's that's fair. Well. Actually, sorry, I got quads is, uh, so David here is from Burnaby. Uh, he's also very, he's very Italian, uh, by the way. He's, nice. Uh, so he, I know that your nickname was Chicken Parm, but Dave's a huge fan of this place in Burnaby called Pasta Amore. Have you ever been to there, uh, Ray, for Italian food? No, I've not. It looks like I need to make a trip. There you you certainly should. Okay, so what's the, what's the specialty? What do I need to get? There you go. So Chris and I get the, yeah, thanks. Uh, so Chris and I start off with a plate of focaccia and they have like a wood oven that they, or like a brick oven, sorry. That they oh, use. yeah, yeah. And okay, so you get the focaccia and then you get a little olive oil. You put that on the side and you dip the focaccia in that. Awesome. That's a starter. Okay. Yeah. It's going to put you back like eight bucks. Okay. And that's a starter. Chris and I split that. We do this before the podcast. Keep in mind. Every it's Friday like, before the podcast. Yeah. Every <laughs> Friday before the podcast because it's right by BCIT. So, um, so then, we, then our main dish is we both get the penne toto, um, with meatballs on the side. So it comes with two meatballs, but it's like this creamy meat sauce. And like, my okay, well, hang on. You guys get the same thing? Oh, yeah. I've, I've mixed it up a little bit, but he's, I don't know, he, he won't change. You get the same thing every time. No, every you've time. got to mix it up, not mix it up, but order two different entrees, and then you get to, like, you 
try two different things, no? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a germaphobe. I will. I won't let Chris touch my food. Chris isn't sticking his fork in my food. <laughs> well, but no, you could put it on his side dish. I know. I, I already heard the germ comment earlier. I'm not letting anybody touch my plate either. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut your arm off if you touch my plate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, here's the thing: I'm making fun of you ordering the same thing all the time. So in Trail, where I'm from, there's this restaurant called The Colander. Yeah. And the colander is actually quite famous throughout the West Kootenays. Um, unbelievable pasta, spaghetti place, Italian place. I don't know what's on the menu. <laughs> I've been going there since I was a little kid. I go in there, you sit down, I order a special. Mm. And it comes out with a salad, uh, uh, spaghetti and meatballs, chicken and potatoes, and then dessert. By the time you leave oh, there, you just roll out of there. It's fantastic. But I couldn't tell you anything else. My brother one time ordered rigatoni. I'm like, I didn't even know they had that here. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Well, you don't really need to know. You know what you like, and you order it every time. <laughs> That's what I do. Now, are the portions big? Oh, uh, yeah, they're decent. They're decent, yeah. Um, because at the colander, you can walk out of there with a little uh, little late-night snack or uh, or your breakfast the next morning, too. It all comes. Yeah. You, you just fill it up in this in this styrofoam takeaway container, and yeah. off you go. Yeah. Well, I'm man, honest. I don't know if you've been to uh, Anton's in Burnham, yeah. but they're oh, well. The food's not as great. Like the, the quality of the food is, in in my opinion, it's not nearly as good as last time, right? But uh, the portions, holy cow! Like, that and you need a shovel to get your stuff. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. And you know, you wait in the lineup for forty-five minutes. It's part of the experience. <laughs> See, I think that's good strategy. They make you wait, so you're so hungry when you get in. You're, you're yeah. It's good strategy, Anton. I do. Like, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> try this new place. I'm gonna once we can get out to once I can get out to Burnaby. Yeah. Uh, then I think I think I'm gonna give it a go. There you go. Yeah, you you might have to. Paso Amore, absolutely, that's the place to go. And uh, maybe we'll get a check in the mail for sending you there and giving them this ad here or something. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always I'm always taping. Well, not always these days, but I'm usually taping at EA Sports. Yep. So uh, I uh, I won't be very far away. There you go. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, we won't be very far away either. I just found out that it's just a, a little bit down the road from BCIT where we're excited to get there in the fall for our radio arts program. Uh, so, so thanks a ton for doing this, Ray. It almost made us feel like we're on the radio, the fact that we get to interview Ray for our here on the air. Uh, so I uh, appreciate you coming on the show and keep up the great work with the podcast here as we kind of move into the off season. Well, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, hope everything goes well for you and um, that you're safe and healthy and your families are the same. And uh, let's hope we can get back to something looking like normal life um, in decent order. It's going to be a while, but let's hope we can get there soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 